Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. that's in the house of the Lord. Amen. We, of course, greet the new baby Asher. Amen. In the house of the Lord and thankful for mom and dad that are doing well. Amen. After the uh, experience of, of birth and now parenthood is upon them and they have a new label to their lives concerning mom and dad and things of that nature and such. So we're so thankful for them and was given um, uh, Kevin a little hard time was asking about this grandpa row if he felt any odor tonight. And he said he was shaking a little bit. So a little weak in the knees or something, but uh, I think he'll handle it well. I think he'll handle it well. And so we're so thankful for uh, this family tonight. Good to have uh, <clears throat> Ray and Emery with us tonight. So good to see you both. Amen. Tonight in the house of the Lord. Amen. Good to have them and see them. Amen. This evening in the house of God. Luke chapter number 18. I'm going to read a few verses of scripture. About eight verses. Did 10 this morning, eight tonight. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to read the whole chapters or things like that. It's just the way that things have failed. Amen. The past couple of services. Amen. Luke chapter number 18 and just the first eight verses. Amen. The Bible says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying there was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. The whole premise of this parable that was spoken in scripture that is typically called the unjust judge. The whole premise is found in verse number one. This parable was spoken to this end because of this, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Tonight, I want to talk to you very simply, nothing complex here tonight. I want to talk to us tonight about always pray, always pray pray. Amen. Can we pray right now that the Lord would touch us anew here this evening? Father, I come to you tonight. I pray, oh God, that we need you here tonight. We need the power of your presence. God, we need the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that we felt and we experienced this morning, God, to revisit us. God, again tonight, I want to be attentive, Lord, to the voice of the Lord. I want to hear, God, what the Spirit is saying. I want to open up my life to it, God, freely and wholly unto God. Lord Jesus, speak as you would desire and as you would have, God, and will not fail to thank you and praise you, Lord, for what you're able to accomplish through your word in the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. The church say amen. 
Amen. You may be seated tonight. In Jesus' name, look at your neighbor and tell them, always pray. Always pray. It has been my experience as, as a minister. It's been my experience as a pastor, a part of the church, if you will, of the living God. And that is this. My experience has been that people may refrain from praying because they cannot live up to another's expectation of prayer. Sometimes the reason why people refrain from praying or do not engage in prayer is because there's been certain ideas or expectations that's been put out there by individuals concerning prayer that they believe that they could not live up to. For some, if you've not prayed for an hour, then you've not prayed. For others, if you did not kneel while praying, you haven't prayed. Still others, if you prayed at night rather than in the morning, then you probably didn't pray. I remember a few years ago, I was a part of a conference, and uh, it was there. It was a group of a smaller setting, but it was a conference nonetheless. And I remember the speaker that morning that was talking about very passionately about prayer, and he was a man that I knew to be of prayer, and he spoke about prayer. And I remember at the end of that, that session or at the end of that sermon message, whatever you want to call it, there were some of us that were in the altars, and we had responded to the message by praying. And I remember there was a few pastors and people that began to share different things about prayer up around the altar. And I'll never forget this. As long as I live, there was an elder pastor that was in the room uh, that morning. And I say admitted, but he spoke to this effect. He admitted to the trepidation or the concern and the unease that he had felt over the years because his normal prayer time in his life was in the evening after night had already settled upon the day. He would go to the church when it was already dark and he would pray. Yet he had a certain concern and unease because there was a lot of people that he ran circles with that, you know, if you didn't pray the first thing in the morning or you prayed a certain time or for a certain length, then you just haven't really done anything concerning prayer. Yet over the years, that was his normal prayer time. He was very faithful with it. And there were some that when we stood there, I'm just kind of an observer kind of in the moment. There were some that shook their heads in disbelief that he would have such feelings that a pastor would have to struggle with that because his selected time of prayer was in the evening. Yet equally, I sensed as I stood there when he said that there were almost a gasp of breath from some that thought, you know what, that's just probably not a real acceptable prayer time. Let me tell you, there is no unacceptable prayer time. It doesn't matter if you pray in the morning, at noon, at night, or necessarily where you pray as long as you always. Someone say amen. Always pray. And so I believe in certain instances, even in the church, as good Christians, we've been held hostage sometimes about feeling as failures in prayer because we're trying to operate off somebody else's idea about prayer. Amen. And so we got to ask ourselves tonight, amen, what type of expectations did the Lord have of us concerning prayer? No doubt whenever his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, the Lord did not go through through, if you will, a chalkboard and get out a presentation of 52 slides about how to pray, but he just went to praying. He did tell them this, though. He said, when you pray, someone say when. 
He didn't say not if, but he said when you pray. Therefore, it is evident that he must have expected that his children, his disciples would pray. He says, when you pray, he says, he said, when you pray, say. In other words, the Lord expected that they would have a prayer time. He didn't list it as morning, noon, or night, or necessarily a link to it, but he did expect that they would pray, and that when they prayed, they would have something to say. Amen unto the Lord. Folks, I don't believe we can have a higher benchmark or example than that in Scripture. Amen. I'm not going to stand up here and give you a length of time. I'm not going to give you a time of day. I'll just give you this. Always pray. Amen. Amen. If Jesus is to be our example, and he should be, then we see prayer lived out in his life in many different ways and many different facets. Like in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was arrested to be taken to Calvary, amen, he wanted the inner circle of Peter and James and John to join with him, yes, in a hour of prayer. But there were other times, the Bible says, that he even tarried in prayer all night. So, so uh, I must say this word, so we need to pray like Jesus did in the garden. We need to take an hour to pray. You know what? That's great and fine, but there must be then, I guess, a time you should spend all night in prayer too. Amen. Amen. Jesus never questioned the importance of prayer because that's where it really is. Underscoring and underlying the fact that prayer is important. The Bible even teaches us in the Gospels that there were times that Jesus would flee even a crowd of needy people to spend some time alone in prayer. And yes, sometimes devoting all night to prayer. But there were other times that we see the prayers of Jesus being briefer than even other times. What is the deal here, Brother McGee? I'm trying to pin down a certain time that I should pray. No, 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 no. You have viewed it all along. If you're trying to pin a certain time or a certain location, you just need to get caught up in the moment of the importance it's just important to pray in the morning at noon at evening it matter it's just important to pray I'll tell you as a Christian as a pastor there's times my prayers are lengthy and there's times my prayers are brief there's time my prayer is in the morning there's sometimes it's in the evening there's times it's in the afternoon there's times I'm standing in the shower and I'm praying but what I try to make if you will a focus in my life is that when Monday comes I'm going to pray when Tuesday comes I'm going to pray when Wednesday comes I'm going to pray when Thursday comes I'm going to pray Friday, Saturday, Sunday I'm going to always pray someone say amen Herbert Lockyer said this he said if we were together together all the prayers of Jesus Christ as they are set forth in the gospels those that is that were recorded he says we could repeat them all inside a time frame of 10 minutes amen what are you underscoring that we need 10 minute prayers no 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 you've lost me again No, I'm talking about just we always need to pray. If you are in this congregation tonight and you're held hostage by someone's idea about prayer or you've been beating yourself up because you've not been praying, quote unquote, an hour a day, maybe you would be better suited to try praying all night. I'm just joking. (laughs) The score is the importance. In the New Testament scripture, the Romans, the Romans of the New Testament 
time prayed to their little G-O-D-S's, their little gods, as one would almost finger a good luck charm. It's like they prayed to God just like they would rub a rabbit's foot. That was kind of the importance and the validity, if you will, of their prayers. They, they really didn't expect much when they prayed. It was just something that you did, something that you exercised yourself in. The skeptical Greeks of the time of the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul, they, 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 they kind of downplayed this aspect of prayer. Even in their playwrights, the, the, the plays and the dramas that they constructed and made, they would oftentimes weave in foolish and ridiculous and even and obscene prayers into their plays in order to provoke the audience to in uproarious laughter about the idea and the fact of praying. And so both the Romans and the Greeks had prayer from a level up here really to a level down here. They undermined the worth of their prayer. They really didn't expect much when they prayed. They didn't put much confidence in their prayer and therefore they didn't put much confidence in the one to whom they were praying to. But I have this confidence. If I can get three minutes it's in there's somebody that's hearing it if I can oh yes if I can just set aside time every day to get alone with God in that secret place that it's worth something it's valuable not only to me but unto heaven Someone hear me right now. I'm standing as a testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ that we need God not get in the mode as the Romans and the Greeks and downplay prayer or if you will ignore the importance or the value of prayer. It is absolutely concretely important for our life and the life of every Christian. The Muslims that operate in the religion of Islam. It's required that all men pray five times a day. In the religion of Islam. Whenever the monks of monastery, the monks appointed time comes for prayer in their monasteries. They drop whatever important thing that they are involved in in that moment. It doesn't matter what they're involved in. Whenever the time of prayer comes, they drop whatever they're involved in. And prayer becomes the most important thing in the moment. They tell me that every religion across our world, amen, east, west, northern, and southern hemisphere, every religion across our world encourages the act of prayer daily. The point is simply this, folks. The point is pray. If there are unfounded standards for prayer, such as when you pray and where you pray and what position you are in when you pray or how long that you should pray, that's keeping you from praying. Then we miss the point because the point is this, always pray. Amen. Someone say amen. No matter. Someone say no matter. No matter where you may be geographically, literally, and no matter where you may be spiritually, God can hear your prayer. He heard Hagar in the wilderness. He heard Jonah, as we've discovered over the, this series, amen, in the depths of the waters. He heard Hezekiah when he laid down on his bed and turned his face to a wall and wept. He heard David whenever he was up in the darkness and the seclusion of a cave. He heard the apostle Paul on a ship that was destined for destruction and upheaval. And he heard a thief that was nailed to a cross. Honey, if he can hear all of those in all of those locations he can hear you wherever you are whatever circumstance you're in whatever surroundings are flooding in on you you just got to always pray someone say amen everybody doing all right
It's testimony time. I'm not talking about literally, but it's testimony time. I can personally testify to you that I have prayed in our restroom at our house more times than I can count. That might be something inherited because that's where dad always prayed at our house. But I have prayed in our restroom at our house and every room of our house including the laundry room. I have prayed in our garage. Oftentimes I do that in the summer. I have prayed outside in our backyard under the shade of a tree in a lawn chair. Amen. Rocking back and forth. My wife eavesdropped on me praying and videotaped me in our backyard in a lawn chair uttering prayers to God under the shade of our tree. I don't care if the neighbors are out already or not. You know what? They need to know that they have a neighbor that's praying. Honey, when I get into that garage that has no insulation, I'll stand there, I sit, and I'm speaking in tongues, and I don't care. I hear the dog next door being taken out or not. I need my nation. I need my community. I need my neighborhood to know that there's a pastor that prays. It might not be eloquent. It might not be sweet sounding. But I know it's just what God wants to hear and desires of a Christian. A man of someone would always pray. I've prayed in this sanctuary many times when nobody else was in it. I prayed in the youth room. I prayed in the fellowship hall. There's a little rooms on each side of this baptismal that's kind of elevated. Brother Fred knows this up there in that room. There is a folding chair. You know why? Because sometimes I crawl up there and I pray. Someone say yes. What are you saying? It doesn't matter whether it's the garage, my bedroom, the living room, outside, in the church, outside the church. The thing is, you got to get in your spirit this dynamic of always praying. I'll admit to you tonight, I've prayed when I've been tired. I've been prayed when I was slippy, sleepy. I've prayed whenever I could barely keep my eyes awake, and I've prayed myself to sleep. I prayed when I've been alert and I prayed whenever I felt like something was happening the very moment I was praying. I prayed when I've been sick and I prayed when I've well. But God has put something in my spirit through his word. I must always pray. My wife can testify to the times I've been sick in bed and I've been over on my side. And you know what? She's heard me praying for every single name in the church as I was sick. Why? Because I must always pray. I've prayed standing up. I've prayed kneeling down. I've prayed laying flat on my back. I've prayed laying flat on my stomach. And as I get older, I might have a teeter-totter going on that one. But I prayed. I prayed with my head between my knees. I prayed laying on my side. I've prayed on all fours. I've prayed sitting down. I don't think I've ever prayed standing on my head. But one of my favorite go-to positions of prayer is crisscross applesauce on the floor. Just praying to God. Listen. I didn't distinguish him more in any of those positions than another position or less than in any of those positions than another position. I can't stand in here and tell you he hears me better when I'm on my back and my voice is toward heaven. No, 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 no. It doesn't matter. It's just that he always prays. I'm afraid I'll pass up and pass out in the on my head one. So just got to increase my faith, Lord.
I've prayed over the years with my kids strapped to me before they could ever walk. I've walked in sanctuaries and paced their floors with Mariah strapped on the front of me, the back of me, the side of me, however I could attach her to me. Mom's taking a shower in the trailer, but I got to pray. So you're going to just go with me, whether willfully or against your will. Folks, I can tell you the number of times she's fell asleep while I prayed. But I've done it. There are seasons in my life that I got up. This was early in our marriage. There were seasons in my life that I got up or at sometimes stayed up until midnight. And I prayed the new day in each day. At midnight, I would go to prayer. It was almost like I was trying to give the Lord the first fruits of my day. I'm just talking to you tonight. I'd get up at midnight and I'd go and I'd start praying, bringing in, if you will, the new day, the first fruits of my day unto the Lord. But there's one thing I can witness to you concerning all these things, and that is what I found God was pleased with most is the fact that he prayed. Not where, not when, not how long, but that they took time to do it. Someone say amen. amen. I've said this before and I'll tell you again. I just feel like telling somebody this tonight. The way and where I pray right now, which is right now the garage if anybody's interested. Been praying in the garage. Me in the car. Smells like oil and gasoline. Maybe that's the reason why I feel so high in the spirit. <laughs> praying in the garage. But it won't stay like that. Because the moment that I feel like I'm getting a little wishy-washy and disconnected in my prayer, I'm going to change location. I'll change position. Because I know humanity. We get in these rituals and cycles. You have the same thing for breakfast every day or how, whatever your rituals are. Huh? And it's just like driving down the road. I think Sister McGee alluded to a few weeks ago. You driving like, did I even pass that or do that? If you don't watch it, your prayer gets like that. Because that's the same time, same place, same location. And whenever I find myself doing that, Sister Rhonda, you know what I'm doing? It might be time to go to the yard. It might be time to get in the baptistry room up there, that little elevated spot in that, that chair up there. Why? Because I don't want to get comfortable just with the mechanism and the ritual and the form of doing it. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. But let me tell you, I'm not strapping my kids to me anymore. I would need prayer. Jared Wilson said it like this. He said, you may think your prayers are nothing to write home about. He said, that's fine. He said, you're not writing home. He said, you're writing heaven. He said, and God is merciful. He said, he'll accept what you may call your lame prayer. But he doesn't want your eloquence. He wants your heart. Someone say glory. The Bible says... That in the days of his flesh, speaking of the man Christ Jesus, that he offered up prayers and supplications. This is the way that the book of Hebrews reads. This is the New Living Translation, if they have that for me. You can read it in the King James too, no problem there. Amen, but the book of Hebrews reads like this, describing the prayer life of Jesus Christ in his flesh the following way. While Jesus was here, this is the way it states it, as Jesus, while Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings. 
with a loud cry and tears to the one who could deliver him. The fact of the matter is basically this. Whenever Jesus, while in his flesh, while God manifested himself in the flesh, he didn't allow days to go by without prayer and supplication. He always prayed. If that was good for Christ Jesus, the one who was tempted in all points like we are yet without sin and never knew sin but was made in the likeness of man, then that's good for Pastor Paul McGee to take up on me this concept and this dynamic of always praying. Someone say amen. Listen, I'm just trying to, if you will, help bring down some of these preconceived notions in our life. If prayer is a set aside time for you or a running conversation you have with God throughout your day, either or, then by all means just pray. If it's a set-aside time and a set-aside place, do that. But if it's when you're commuting from here to Evansville and then while you're doing the dishes and while you're doing laundry and while you're washing your ears, then pray. Let's turn it up on its head, if you will. How would you feel if I told you as pastor of this church that the only acceptable prayer is one as an ongoing conversation throughout your day. That is the way that you should pray. An ongoing conversation throughout your day. For some out here, they would be like, yes, finally. Somebody knows how it ought to be done. Or at least how I've done it. Right? But others would be like, boy, I wouldn't feel very comfortable doing that. That would be somewhat of a challenge if you would ask me to do that because you're not geared or created to operate like that. But if my prayer place is the church and it's for 30 minutes and I want to keep Brother Malone at my standard. Or if I'm the having the conversation with God all throughout my day rather than the set-aside person, but I want to keep them at my standard. We're not doing each other any favors because all we're doing is totally mutilating and destroying a whole desire just to pray, period. However you get it accomplished, whenever you get it accomplished, whatever position you may be in, However long it may personally be for you. Always. Huh? I'm not going to put any dictates on there. Except that it, it needs to be daily. And that's not me putting dictates on it. That's scripture. The daily bread that the scripture speaks of. The, the, the daily prayer. Those things that when you pray type of scenario. Some have assumed the position that if they can't get the hour in, then there's no use in doing it. I'm just telling you the truth. There have been times in my life, I know I shared this before, but I feel like whatever reason, amen, I feel like I need to talk about this tonight. There have been times in my life that setting a timer to one hour or allowing a stopwatch to count up from zero to one hour was the way that I would keep track of Paul McGee praying. So I didn't want to fall short of that hour, Sister Rhonda. Bless God, hellfire and brimstone. I wouldn't be too pleased if my timer went off 15 minutes after I was done praying. Someone hear me right now? Does anybody like pray like Lot's wife? You always got to look back at the clock. 
There were times, and I, I'm a type of person, this is just me, this isn't you, it don't have to be you. But I like praying many times with, with music in the background. Sometimes I have earbuds in with music just because if I have Christian music playing, it helps me focus my attention upon God. There might be even lyrics or just something that happens. I tell you, in the spirit, amen, that just connects with my soul as I'm praying. It, it allows me as, as who I am to be able to shut that door, so to speak, on everything else. I don't hear the squirrels chewing on the corn, and I don't hear the birds tweeting outside it's just me and Jesus in the garage all right and so I do that but this is how bad it was for me not wanting to miss that hour I would count up all the minutes how if a song was three minutes and 52 seconds and the next one I'd count up all the minutes that was in my playlist and make sure that it was an hour or more so that I knew when the last song was done that I've done my deed I pray someone say amen <laughs> But let me ask you this. Is there truly such a thing as praying long enough? Or not long enough? I think the real issue is maybe not at all. Everybody doing all right? Let me get to my text. I won't hold you much longer. Got to make sure I pray today. The parable Jesus presented. The parable Jesus presented in Luke 18 was based upon the premise, according to the word of the Lord in verse number one, is based upon the premise, men ought always to pray. Again, I'm presenting to you as your pastor from the word of the Lord that I believe the thrust of the Bible is not length, not position, not location, as long as it's doing it daily. The parable that I read to you and you're hearing tonight is often called the parable of the un just judge the special function of a judge was to hear the cause of the poor and the oppressed and then redress their wrongs and relieve their wants but this particular judge the bible says feared not god neither regarded any man and so this woman that comes to him in the parable she is a widow he may think to himself that she might be too poor to bribe him and too weak to compel him. But he didn't figure in this one. She was also too consistent and she wearied him. The judge admitted that he was avenging this woman of her enemies. That's what she came. That was her desire. That was her hope. If I made that was her plea and her prayer. The judge admitted that he was avenging this woman, her enemies, for the sole reason of her faithfulness in requesting it. He says, I will avenge her less by her continual coming. She weary me. In other words, the unjust judge was saying, she's going to wear me out with her faithfulness. Woo. Upcoming. He did not say she's going to wear me out with praying in the prayer room. He did not say she's going to wear me out because she prays an hour a day. He did not say she's going to wear me out because she comes to me on her knees when she requests. He didn't say any of that. He said she's going to wear me out because she keeps coming. 
someone hear me today? Hallelujah. If you want to be heard, and I say this with all generosity tonight, if you want to be heard, then just keep petitioning. Keep making your supplication. Keep making your prayer. If it's five minutes tomorrow and then 15 the next day, so be it. If you're sitting in your recliner one day and you're kneeling at it the next day, then so be it. The way it's going to get through is if you'll just be faithful at it. Always. Seriously. Well, bless God, Brother McGee, the other day I prayed for an hour and 50 minutes. But that was five days ago. That's five days ago. Take that and divide that among the five. That's not how it works. Always pray. Always. I don't care how much you pray in a setting. Do you pray faithfully? Do you pray consistently? Listen, I know. We're going to miss. Huh? We're going to miss. Sometimes you might feel bad about that like you're trying to make, make up prayer. Right? I missed a day, so today, God, I'm going to give you this much time because I'm making up for yesterday. Huh? You, um, how do you view your God? going to cut you off at the moment of any indiscretion oh everybody's really thinking right now if we are the children this is the pattern he has in scripture we're the children and he's the father he might give us a talking to but he's not cutting you off So we throw the baby out with the bathwater because we miss one day. Well, bless God, I've ruined it. We just might as well chuck it all. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, it's been two days and I miss. I'm just, I can't even go approach God. And those are the greatest times we need to approach God. I don't got it all together. Well, welcome to the club. We don't pray because we're perfect people. We pray because we're imperfect people. We preached for a church years ago. Man, the pastor, God used him greatly in the gifts. I mean, greatly. I mean, blow your mind in the gifts all the time. He'd tell you what you ate for breakfast, you know. God would just help him to do that. Used tremendously. And their church was quite on that type of edge of, of things like that going on. He said all the time, people tell me, oh, they're such a spiritual church. I just don't know. It's such a spiritual. He said, we're not spiritual. He says, the reason why they see us here praying all the time is because we're not spiritual. We take, well, if they pray that much, they must be a spiritual person. Maybe they pray that much because if they don't, they would totally just miss heaven altogether. Someone hear me right now? Hallelujah. God said, look what he says in verse number six. The Lord says now in the midst of this parable, look, he's talking to the people that this parable is conveyed to that we ought to always pray. God said, he says, listen. Listen, he says, to what the unjust judge is saying. He says, if an unjust judge, unjust, if an unjust judge will respond to the undying cries of a widow woman, if an unjust judge will answer when he doesn't regard God and he doesn't regard man, how much more will a just judge? Woo! 
How much more will your Father in heaven, who is a judge of all the earth, which will do right, how much more will he heed to the cries of his people whenever they approach him? Though they may come day or though they may come night, he will avenge them because you're not dealing with an unjust judge as she was. You're dealing with a righteous, just judge called the Lord Jesus he says, if he'll do that for her, how much will God do for you if you always pray? Always pray. Someone say, always pray. Always pray. Because if you ever find a need answered, listen to me. If you ever find a need answered or a go or an ambition met or an adversary avenged in your life, note well, it came on the heels of prayers prayed. Maybe not of your own, but of prayers prayed. If the need is met, mm -hmm. if the need is met, if it's answered, if the go or the ambition, if it's achieved, if the adversary is avenged, that's come on the heels of prayers being prayed. Maybe not your own. I want to emphasize that. But a prayer was prayed somewhere for the need, for the deliverance. Is everybody doing okay? Help us, Jesus. Always pray. Here's the fact of the matter. When those things, things happen in my life and I have not prayed, then if I'm not careful, it's easy for me to equate with. That just happened. See, it don't take, I don't even have to talk to God. When we don't realize it happened because somebody talked to God on our behalf. It's not free get out. It's not some free get out jail card or anything like that. I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about if these things materialize, it's because a prayer's been prayed. Oh, I feel very confident about this. There's been a prayer prayed. Amen. Someone doing okay? Man, I've already been up here that long. Help me, Jesus. Someone needs to start praying. Most, I'm getting there. Just most, if not all, of us this evening are familiar with the famous section of Martin Luther King Jr.'s speech that is labeled, or the whole speech is labeled this, I have a dream, but there's only really a section of the speech that deals with the I have a dream language. It is quite long. Go back and read it sometimes. Quite impressive as well. Just one of the top hundred speeches that's ever been given in America. We're familiar with it. Allow me, would you indulge me just for a moment of just a section of his speech that concerns this whole I have a dream thing. He says, let us not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friends, and so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. 
justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racism, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right here in Alabama, little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain. The crooked places will be made straight. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. That speech was delivered. That's just part of it. On the 28th of August of 1963 at Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. Since that time, there have been aspects of that dream that have come to fruition. Segregation, for one, has ended. All can ride where they want to on the same bus. They can drink from the same water fountains. They can go to the same schools, etc. and etc. Our 44th president, which served from 2000. 9 to 2017 was Barack Obama, the first African-American president of the United States. I dare to say that that is part of Martin Luther King Jr.'s dream come to pass. But about a year earlier before the marvelous I Have a Dream speech, Martin Luther King Jr. was part of a mass meeting in rural Georgia. It was 1962 in Terrell County. He was to speak at the Mount Olive Baptist Church. They had recently, it had recently been burned down by the Ku Klux Klan, and he was going there to speak. In the audience was a woman by the name of Prathia Hall. She was a young college student at the time. She was the daughter of a Baptist minister, the Reverend Berkeley Hall. As I heard this, I don't remember how long ago it was now, I heard this and listened to this on a PBS documentary called The Black Church. In this setting, Prathia Hall, where Dr. Martin Luther King was a year before he ever gave his speech, Prathia Hall, in this meeting and setting, began to talk to God. She began to pray aloud about what she desired for the world. And over and over again in her prayer, she kept saying to God, I have a dream, and she would say something. I have a dream, and she would say something. And the narrator of the documentary, Reverend Raphael Warnock, said this. He said, ladies and gentlemen, you must understand this, that before it was Martin's dream, it was Prathia's prayer. I'll interject this tonight, that before it was America's reality and before it was Martin's dream, it was pray through his prayer. What are you saying? Always prayer. If you see it come to pass, if you see it come out, if you see it work out, if you see it answered, you can always trace it back. To a you can always trace it back to a prayer. If your body's ever been healed, know that it's connected to a prayer. If the finances ever came the time you need it, you better stand it went back to a prayer. If a family's ever put back together, it's because somewhere. Always! Always. 
I'm convinced that probably wasn't Prathy his first time praying such a prayer there in Terrell County, but it was the first time that maybe she was overheard praying such a prayer in Terrell County. I believe she continued going to the Lord with her hopes and her desires, regardless of when she did it, how she did it, where she did it. She was just doing it, and God answered it, even though that the young America that we had then at times seemed not to regard God or man. But somebody kept praying. Whoo, someone say glory. Am I doing okay? Philippians 1, verses 18 through 19. This is the New International Version that I bring into your attention here. This is just the last phrase of verse number 18. But this is what the Apostle Paul says to the church at Philippi. Man, I got I to preach and end in something. Paul says here, he says, yes, he says in the latter portion of verse 18, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Is that King James? All right. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Now listen, this is Philippians. Everybody say Philippians. This is Philippians. At this present time, Paul is in chains. Paul is in prison without good reason, without good purpose. He is bound in chains in prison, but he says, I'm going to continue to rejoice. I'm here without good reason. I'm bound without good reason, but I'm going to continue to rejoice. And he's confident, according to the word of the Lord, that all of this that's going on will turn into his deliverance. Paul, have you lost your ever-living mind? How in the world can you continue to rejoice when you are being falsely imprisoned? How in the world, how in the world could you have any type of confidence, amen, that this is all going to turn toward your deliverance? All the odds are against you. You shouldn't even be here. How in the world? I tell you how he says right there. He says, because I know somebody's praying. He said, I know somebody's praying. He says, so though I'm bound, I'm going to rejoice. Why? Somebody's praying. He said, all oh, this is going to turn, amen, into my, how can you do that, Paul? Because I know somebody is praying and prayer tends to materialize. Prayer seems to rise above the surface. Prayer. We pray for animals. We pray for appliances. We pray for vehicles. Stand with me and I close with this. Always pray. Always, always, always pray. Don't tell me why I didn't get an hour in. That's fine. Just pray. Oh, but Brother McGee, I wasn't in the, you know, I wasn't in the cross formation before the Lord. Just pray. God Almighty, just pray. First Samuel chapter number one. The Bible records the story that Hannah's childless. She's even provoked by the other woman in her husband's life. Yes, in that day, polygamy was practiced and there was there was Hannah and there was another wife in his life. All right. Penina was his other wife. 
She all times provoked Hannah because Hannah was childless. But though she was childless, this is important what the scripture relates to us. Hannah never ceased to go up to the house of the Lord yearly. She would even be known, according to scripture in many regards, as the weeping Hannah. Because she went up yearly to the house of the Lord and she would offer her sacrifices as it was planned yearly and she would cry and it would seem like according to God's word that sorrow was a part of her daily life because she could not bear a child. Amen. And she then also on top of that had the constant aggravation of Penina. Amen. But she always went to the house of the Lord despite her sorrow. And when she went to God's house, year by year, she would pray. And the year, this is important, I'm closing. And the year that God answered her prayer is the year as at other times she had gone to the temple with her sorrow, her distress, and her agony, and she offered her sacrifice, and she prayed. What are you saying? I'm saying, what happened for Hannah, Sister Roxanna, wasn't the result of a particular prayer of a particular year. What happened to Hannah was the result of faithful, consistent praying. In spite of what was going on, in spite of what was happening, the result in Hannah's life was the result of always praying and God's like what did the unjust say because I'm a just God and I got your number (laughs) I got you I've not only seen you this year I've seen you every previous year I've seen your sacrifice and I've seen you come here when you didn't feel like coming here to pray but you showed up nonetheless and God answered Hannah's prayer because she was a woman that practiced praying always. Tonight, I challenge us this evening as a church. If we embow our heads, I challenge us this evening as a church. Somebody pick up the practice of praying. I want you to, I want you to just denounce, or if you will, just push aside from your mind, length of time, where, when, time of day. I want you to push all those things aside and just concentrate on one thing. Every day, I'm going to find some time, however long it may be, at some place, wherever it may be, to pray. I'm challenging you with that. I'm not, the pastor's not up here saying an hour, and he's not saying you got to be flat on your face. No, no, no. I'm just saying somewhere in your day-to-day life, you're going to find time. Oh, but Brother McGee, i got to drive. Do it while you're driving. There you go. Uh, This is quite a broad field here. I'm just asking you to find time every day to pray. And who knows what the just judge of all the earth may cause to bring to materialize whenever his people don't have any inhibitions or trying to live up to anybody's standards except one, and that is just to consistently pray. I believe somebody can do that tonight. I believe somebody can kneel down before they go to bed tonight and just have a little time, as the old song used to say, a little talk with Jesus. 
and just pray. I'm challenging you this evening. These altars are open. This would be a great place to start. Amen of prayer. But I challenge you tonight. God, and you just bring it to the Lord. Lord, I've noticed in the past histories of my life that it has been time. If it's not a certain time, I feel like a failure. Or God, I've noticed in my own life that if it wasn't in a particular place or a particular location or a particular time of day, then God, that's been kind of a hang up for me and that's kept me back. Listen, listen, folks. I'm asking you, will you just pray? Will you just pray? Will you just pray? Morning, noon, night, matters not. 15 minutes, 5 hours, 1 hour, 5 minutes, matters not. But will you tomorrow pray? And will you Tuesday pray? And will you Wednesday pray? Thursday pray? Friday pray? Saturday pray? Sunday pray? Will you just pray? Always. He said this parable, the crucible of it all is based upon this. That men ought always to pray you don't have to give the lord flowery words and it don't have to be well constructed sentences and grammar's got to be on point no 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 as i believe it was pastor wilson said he's not there for your eloquence he's there for your heart he's there for your motive he's there for your desire and who knows what can materialize who knows what can materialize when people will pray because whatever does materialize whatever does come about i am convinced is on the heels somewhere if not your own on the heels of somebody that has prayed somebody that has uttered a voice of prayer yes i understand sometimes the answer to our prayers is god is no no he won't do that no it's not going to be healed or no that and i know that's difficult to contend with but i am convinced If there's anything that ever happens that we feel positively, amen, influenced by or that takes place that seems to be, wow, that's such a blessing that that's happened. It's been on the standard and the platform of somebody's prayer. Consistent, faithful prayer. Oh, can we fill this place with prayer right now? Hallelujah. It's not about the words you speak, but it's about the heart that you speak it with right now in this moment. Always pray. You can kneel, you can lay down, you can turn on your side, you can sit in your pew. Just always pray. Do it tonight, do it tomorrow morning, do it when everybody's asleep or when everybody's awake. Just always pray. Do it when you're alone or do it collectively with your family, however you need to accomplish it. Just pray. Just pray. Just pray. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yes, God. Oh, let's talk to him right now. I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel the nighness of the Spirit of the Lord here. Oh, somebody just endeavor. Amen. Put aside all the thoughts and feelings of failure because of you holding yourself to other, if you will, men's standards. And let's just find a place to pray and talk to God. Brother Alex, I don't know if you have a a song for us right now. Amen. Someone might need some music right now just to have that background to help them in their place of prayer. And that's okay. Hallelujah. Others may not need it, and that's okay. But would someone just pray? Would somebody just pray? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.